Britney Spears. <laughs> no, this is Spice Girls, right? Yeah, you guys are my favorite people in the world because you are horrible at this game. I know who this is. I don't know who this is. This is Swifty. You're not a Swifty? No. Come on now. No, absolutely not. Why not? I do like her legs, though. You will be when we get into the pinnacle points of the day. Is queuing it up. Is, is there going to be? Okay. This nope, is... just the exact polar opposite oh. of bad blood. Oh, okay. All you don't you don't like Taylor at all? I don't care about her. No. Have you ever really listened? I don't mind. I think she's talented. I mean, clearly she's talented. She's selling out stadiums left and right. Yeah, for fifteen hundred bucks a pop in the yeah. nosebleeds. I, I'm not going to hate on that. I mean. But I just, it's not my, it's, this is not my genre of music. <laughs> I mean, really? You know what? I, I'm pretty sure anybody listening would have never guessed that. <laughs> Obviously, we are back, people. Thanks for joining us. We've got another episode today of, go ahead, Zach, you do it this time. The, Ca- spell it, Soccer Dad Pod. Capital T, capital H, capital, capital T, e. capital H, capital can't, E. Can't forget that part. I don't Soccer think, yeah. Dad Dash Pod. Yes. Dashbot too. That's important. It is. Um, thanks for joining me, fellas. Carpool co-hosts of the day. Um, where are we at, Jared? You want to give a little shout out? I'm facing the blue wall. Um, it's the Bush Soccer Club blue, I think. <laughs> yeah. And we are at the beautiful, <laughs> sunny Amsterdam Tavern here off Morgan Ford. Um, sunny? Yeah, it's not sunny today, but it's sunny in here, oh, in here. especially Got the way it. JB floats yeah. around in here. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he loves this place. And I'll tell you what, at least it's not hot because I still don't think Stelter's paid the bill. <laughs> well, we'll find out in a little bit when he comes in here and we can ask him. <laughs> so uh, we're down here, Amsterdam Tavern, the soccer mecca, not only of St. Louis, Midwest, probably beyond. Um, you guys having a good day today? Little, little little shoddy weather, but yeah, I mean it's it's been a long couple days for me personally. Uh, nothing sad or weird, just long days, and I'm happy to be here again. Are you suffering from that national shortage of Adderall? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I mean, I might be suffering from it, but it's not <laughs> affecting me. No, he, he's got low T. I, I've diagnosed it. <laughs> um, it. It is it is a it is a case of low T. Did you did you Google that earlier today? <laughs> He needs to be watch that commercial with those people in that clawfoot tub in the sun, field of sunflowers. Ooh. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It, take that medicine. Well, listen, uh, is it uh, Thomas uh, Frank Thomas? <laughs> yes. I guess to get the uh, what is it called? I'm not going to do a, a live read for them. But I don't know. Uh, well, you're not taking the medication yet, so you can't. What's that's true? The rub or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, anyway, right, we digress. Um, look, Crescent Plumbing Supply and the Pinnacle Loan Boys, again, we really appreciate the support. Uh, in need of remodeling help, hit up Crescent Plumbing Supply. In need of a flipping hammer of a backyard pool, refi, etc. Who do you call, Jared? ThePinnacleHomeLoans.com. Um, our friends over there, um... They by were, Francis Park. They, they, they are uh, undefeated as freshmen. Yeah, I mean, Heard but that. we need to talk to them about that because I think we need to come up with a different call sign for them because 
is being undefeated as a freshman high school soccer player that awesome? Uh, yes. Uh... Pretty, yeah, I think so. I tell you what, we you, we're gonna hit them up after show. We're gonna invite them on. They gotta they gotta come on here, tell everybody what they do, and we'll talk about that. How's that sound? Speaking yep. of the Pinnacle Loan Boys, let's go ahead and get right into it. Pinnacle points of the day, current event, news, sport, doesn't matter what it is. You wanna go first, Zach? Looks sure. like you're ready, man. Yeah, you, I, got, I, you got your phone there. Well, I, I we've been talking about the email campaign <clears throat> to win city tickets versus Austin FC on August 20th. We plan to draw that winner by the end of next week. Actually, right. middle of that next week. Yep. By the 10th. And I wanted to call out one that we received yesterday. And it, it just it talks about a guest that I really don't even want to say his name, Greg Drozda. But he really... <laughs> the, 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 the writer says... Basically, make sure you're checking in with your kid and making sure they're still loving and choosing this sport. And then she goes on to, you know, thank us for talking about the, the high school versus D1 versus academy and, and talks about how it's a confusing new world. And we're, we're seeing that trend more and more as we talk more and more about this. And I think our guests, we might even dive into it a little bit more. I have a feeling you I'd might imagine so. But um, <laughs> please keep the emails coming. JB, rattle off the uh, email address real quick. SoccerDadPod at GaslightSTL.com. So, yeah, send us more emails. We've got a couple more um, we want to get in, and then we're going to make that draw. And so if you're listening, send us an email, and we'll uh, we'll announce that next week. All right. Jared, what do you got? Um, I got just one statement, and then also my point. Um the, the noise about the Women's World Cup team is getting old. Um, the haters, Which, stop hating. Um, let the, we're, <laughs> We made it to the knockout round. Let the chips fall where they fall. And just stop hating. My point is, um, I think for the most part, high schools, uh, college programs, youth clubs, uh, we're starting the fall season either this week, next week. Yeah, um, get, get your debit cards ready. Yeah, It's auto I, uh, pay season. I got a, I think the boys are day two into uh, practices, and usually, you know, over the years, I'll ask Drew how to go, did you have fun, blah, 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 and, you know, you get the, yeah, sure, hi, one word answers. I got a phone call from him today, and he's, you know, not about how he played or, or, or about this or that. He's just excited that the season's starting, and, you know, that just, that just, that just makes me happy. He probably is going to ask for cash later. Yeah, I mean, at least he called me. Yeah, and Grady came home, and he was also excited. And I said, uh, he's like, I, I, I think this is going to be, you know, a good year. And I said, so you, you think you're going to stick with this soccer thing, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was making a salad, and he stopped and looked at me for a long time, trying to figure out if I was just messing with him. <laughs> I go, dude, I'm just, I'm just playing. You, you are going to stick this out right yeah they better <laughs> we'll kill all three of them if they don't uh my pinnacle point of the day number three here is the intro song right yeah who, who do we have um, Swifters. girls swifters swifties yeah. or whatever it's called taylor yeah. yep uh news i don't know if you guys caught the news did you see what she did for her she's paying out tour? Paying her staff uh Massive. bonuses they yeah. already got paid but for her road crew so it's all the it's all the people that you would know. It's all the truckers, the loaders, you know, your your crew. Imagine a, a subsidiary of your company that just ran with tours. 
50, r- roughly 55 of them all got a $100,000 bonus. 55. the flipping ticket prices. I it mean, doesn't matter what it is. I mean, a hundred thousand. Yeah, she's not bonus. a publicly traded company, so she, she doesn't have do to. That. You know, I mean, give out profits. I mean, she did that because. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I have. Th- what I played earlier of what was that song? Bad Blood, Bad Blood. I think. Yeah. I officially listened to more of that song on the intro of our show than I've ever listened <laughs> in my life. I'm officially a Swifty. She's a. Uh, an artist for the people. Yeah. We and think? she has wonderful legs. Apparently. How would you know? I just, I, just, I have eyes. Okay. <laughs> I got you. I do have another pinnacle point of the day four, and it's directed at you, Jared. Um, was the George Strait show worth it with the, with the weather? Didn't you guys get popped on the weather on that thing? We absolutely did. So here's the deal. It was hot. 5.45 start time. Little Big Town goes on. We make the decision to let's just go in there at the end of Little Big Town. I do like some songs from there. So we saw all of Stapleton. Um, pontoon mainly. I like that. You know, this the that just makes me feel good. Beer drinking, pontoon, good song. <laughs> uh, I watched um, all of Stapleton. Good. We got about four or five songs into George Strait, and here it comes. The heavens open up, and uh, we had a mad dash towards Broadway in a crowd of people. And I, I, it was worth it. We had fun, you know. But it is unfortunate because that's you, who I went to go see. Would you do it again? Yes, I want to go see George Strait. I'm hoping he gets the residency at Vegas sometime, and I can just go there and watch him specifically. That's what I'm really hoping for. Him and Imagine Dragons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Co-Bill. And Brittany. Yeah, with uh, uh, Alicia Keys as the, the, the closer. All right, so there we go. That's your, that's your pinnacle points of the day. Thanks, Chris Bill, for continuing sports show. Crescent Plumbing continues saving marriages by helping them Stay on budget. Because ultimately, hey, that that's what it is. It's true. And I, I do have to... Crescent Plumbing cannot help with this, but maybe Pinnacle can. What's that? Uh, Demeter Barbatov <clears throat> is on Twitter right now. Yeah. Kind of blowing up because he is... His workout still wall. Still working out with the wall. Yeah. A, a 90 degree wall back and forth. Brick wall. Brick wall. Yep. Over and over and over. And so anybody who's listening who wants to give their, their son or daughter something to do... Find a 90-degree angle and work on it. We talked to Joe Clark about that. We we joked with um, another recent guest last night about it. So I think Demeter Barbatov. Check hey, it out. Is that a pinnacle point of the day five? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, here we go. We're going to roll out to a break. We're going to get some refills. We're going to bring our guest on. This one's for you, Jared. You like a bad it? song. You happy? Yeah, I like it. All right. Was it yeah. worth No, I'm not even going to go there. We'll be back after the break with our guest. Thanks for joining. And a share is like buying us a beer. So feel free. Share this episode. Thank you. Later. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Wentzville. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 
20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really? As families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So, when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. It's cheaper than a therapist. Everybody get up. <laughs> We're all over the board today. Well, Pharrell. Little Robin Thick, Pharrell, Ti. You guys like this one? Yep. Remember when this came out? Oh yeah, very controversial. Why? The video. I don't know. Emily Rakowski. I don't know. It might be the difference in age. Well, they were naked, like naked models throughout the whole video. So was uh, Freedom Ninety. Remember that one? No, but these were actually naked. So was Freedom 90. Just a little you mean the George, less booby. The George Michael one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a fun Wait. song, right? Jared, yeah. you like this one? I like it. It's fine. This, I, you play this by your pool, don't you? Yeah. You, you turn it on, and then Kel comes stomping out. This is a pool mix. <laughs> on the pool mix. <laughs> this is before the Macarena and right after um, One a Dead or Alive. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> nice. Do you guys watch Deadly Sketch, too? I did used to watch that show all the time, and now it's, I think it's ran its course for me. Uh, there's only so many king crab you can catch, or opelio, <laughs> right? You're over it. Well, we're over the intro. We're back. We've got our refills. We are down here at the Amsterdam Tavern. Uh, soccer's home in St. Louis. Yeah. If you're not at City Park. Uh, so make sure you come down here. A couple new food joints in the in the hood here, too. Sando's next door. So good. Uh, we got Three Monkeys Pizza across the street. New one. Got to try that out. <clears throat> but without further ado, it is time to introduce our Soccer Dad Pod guest of the day. A junior bill who is now a Spartan, and a lot of stuff in between. God, he's been a Spartan for a long time, huh? Uh, It feels that way. The the wiki page says so. So. I didn't even need to do the wiki page just knowing (laughs) the family, and I know he's been a Spartan for a minute. A few years. Mr. Damon Rensing. How you doing, man? Good, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So you've been sitting here for the last 20 minutes. Um, Do you regret it? Do you regret saying yes? No, I just regret not being able to have my mic on to tell you guys that it was Nugenics of the Frank Thomas commercial. So. Only a true Gen Xer would have that answer in his back pocket. Did that remind him to check the mail? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Doug Flutie, I should have said Doug Flutie. That would have, I would have gotten it right then. Uh, you would have got bonus points for that. Yeah. 
Isn't there a third one in there now? What's that? There's a third sports star in there now. I don't know. I mean, there could be 3,000 of them at this stage. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, thanks for joining us, man. How's, uh, how's life preseason treating you these days? It's been great. Um, enjoying a few days in St. Louis, the calming before the storm. Um, all the guys report on August 7th, Monday, and then training starts. So had a little vacation slash retreat down in Charleston, South Carolina. My old assistant, Ben Pierman and brother, are the uh, head and assistant coach for the Charleston Battery. So oh, cool. spent a week on the beach there. I caught some trainings, um, snuck my son Drew into a couple of the pro trainings, and uh, it was a good week. Got him beat up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Threw him, threw him in the, the deep end. Yep. That's awesome. Think about the long history of that club. I mean, that is one of our absolute, one of our um, long-time, very successful southeastern clubs that we've had in this country. That, I mean, they gotta, they got to be that's, they gotta be pretty stoked to be involved in that club. Though that's a really cool. And Eric, they're celebrating their 30th year, so they were formed in 93. Wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, their thirtieth year. There's a lot of history there. So that's what year I graduated, and I believe I did as well. <laughs> right. Well, and and I don't know this for sure, and I might be out of out of turn here, but the Charleston Battery is one of those clubs that have had a lot of success in our U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, they've done they've done great. They've been been very successful. They had a longtime coach who did a great job. Uh, Augie was his name, and uh, he kind of retired, and then Ben took over last year, and. Ben Devin and they've, I think they've already well eclipsed. The, they only had like five wins last year, and now they're in second place in the wow, in the league. Awesome. So, nice. um, so it's pretty cool. Good and I think guys. one of the alums is Jamie Posnanski, who's a oh yeah former junior bill teammate of, of mine. So I I know he lives down there still and uh, played at South Carolina. That's awesome. Um, so you know, there's a million different places we could start here. You know, because obviously. Our paths have crossed without really knowing they've crossed for th- probably 30-plus years, realistically. Um, so what I'd like to do is, we do this often. Let's let's start more towards the finish line, kind of, you know, where you're at now. You just mentioned the guys are coming back here on the 7th. Uh, just, you know, give the listeners a, a quick tutorial on, you know, the program you're at, how long you've been there. You know, a little bit of uh, where you're at in, uh, you know, with the current team and uh, what you're looking forward to with the upcoming season. Yeah, no, this I'm entering my 15th season as the head coach. It's my 25th overall. So I was an assistant there for uh, Joe Baum for 10 years, who's also a St. Louis native. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had a really good run over the last 15 years or so. I think we've been to the NCAA tournament seven or eight times. Uh, We've been to the Elite Eight. Uh, four, three times, and then the final four at College Cup in 2018. Um, so we've had a, a really good run, a really good group of guys. Um, after COVID and a couple of things, have probably a couple of records that we haven't haven't quite wanted to get to, but we really like our group this year. So I've never really dropped the schedule. Like we've keep the standard high no matter what. This is the Big Ten. This is uh, the highest we can go. So you know we're going to keep the standard high and let the guys come up and meet it whether it's with scheduling, how we train, how we recruit. So um, it's been really good in our guys right now. We've had a young group the last couple of years, and they've had to go through some hurdles and play some tough games and in some tough environments and played really well at times, just come up short a little bit. And uh, and this year we really like this group coming in. Yeah, speak to this a little bit. We, we've we had, um, you know, the, the Kevin Stoll and Kevin Kalish, we've talked to them quite a bit here at SLU and that coaching staff. 
And they have mentioned specifically that they um, want to lean into their um, region and, and specifically the St. Louis area for, for how they want to build their program. Looking at your roster for this year and then also looking at that 2018 Final Four team, which I think had seven or eight starters from the state of Michigan on it, um, you guys are leaning real heavy into the state of Michigan and, and winning some very crucial uh, recruiting battles. What's your philosophy and, and how important is it to get the, the guys from in-state? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a couple reasons to do it. Um, a, Michigan does a, a really good job of producing players. They've had some really good clubs. Um, in-state tuition is half of out-of-state, so you yeah. you look at that, that, that's pretty practical. I think the other thing, though, is you, you get to know those kids really well, and then when they when they put on a Michigan State jersey, they're representing, a, you know, not just Michigan State, but the state of Michigan. So that's been really good. And then what we do is we start with the state of Michigan. We get to know those kids, see who are the kids that we think that can that can play, and not just play, but excel at the Big Ten and National Division One level. And then obviously not uh, – my recruiting thing is this. I don't know if we could win a national championship with just state of Michigan kids, but I know we can't win it without them being the core of our team. So. Sense. We have that core, and then you branch out and you find, you know, the kid from Sarakowski from Chicago. Uh, we had a, a Danish kid who transferred from Cincinnati, Patrick Nielsen, in that 2018. He was our only non-Midwest kid in the starting lineup. Um, and we'll go wherever. We'll we'll go wherever we need to go to find find those players to kind of fill the gaps. But that's kind of how we've usually done. I think culture is hugely important in college soccer you know in soccer in general as a team sport but definitely in, in college soccer and I think when the guys know each other a lot and you can see that in probably some of the St. Louis teams and St. Louis U and Kevin and those guys have done a good job and so that's where we've been we've been successful. Do you see that as uniquely um, more valued within the Midwest in the Midwest conferences you know when you look at the Big Ten you know we talked to uh, Robeson a little while back and you look at the Indiana roster <clears throat> very heavily I mean, it's Midwest derived for the most part, you know. And you're you're speaking to that fact and, and the role that Michigan players play. But when you look at uh, ACC or Big East or some of the other conferences, it, it's not it's not not the same. There tends to be more transplants, so to speak, coming into the programs. Do you think that the Midwest teams like Michigan State, like IU, et cetera, uh, is that a unique trait that your programs? focus on and is there a particular reason or do you think it's just kind of it is what it is there's not really an explanation I think it's what fits I can't speak for Indiana though they've done a great job with it I think you know when you use the word the term blue collar sometimes that kind of has a little bit of a negative connotation like it's not talent you're not talented but obviously you have to have talent at the Michigan States and the Indianas right. and the St. Louis to do this so it's kind of a given that you have this talent but that blue collar work ethic is synonymous to me with Midwest players, and that fits our school. And you know, schools have different cultures and models. And Michigan State is a school of the people. It's um, a blue-collar uh, university, and so we need to recruit players that that fit that that mentality. So we have four words that define our program: confident, consistent, selfless, relentless. Wow. Yeah. So those four words, you know, I take the confidence a little bit from like. Tom is a like anytime, anywhere, any place. Like yeah. we don't care. We're Michigan State. We'll go play anybody. We'll take them on. Nice. You know, consistent. We got to be how we how we go every day. How we go about our, our business on a daily basis, whether it's academically, whether it's training, whether you're playing the number one team. You know, relentless. That's wow. that blue collar edge. You know, never give up. I don't care what the score is. And then selfless. 
you got to put the team first. And th- to me, those are Midwest traits. Those aren't yeah. necessarily just Michigan State traits, sure. but those are Midwest traits, I think. And I think we want kids that embody that type of process. So when we recruit, not only do we recruit talented midfielders or forwards or goalkeepers, we recruit talented players that fit those types of characteristics. I'm curious, you've got the guys coming back in a couple days. Summer is not long for college athletes, but is your expect? this is maybe a stupid question, are your expectations that your players come back fit and ready, or do you have more of a fitness program that they kind of work through the summer? I'm just really curious from a tactical perspective if, if that's part of the program that your assistants kind of lay out before they leave or before they come in as freshmen. I'm just really curious. No, so actually our players have been on campus since July 10th. I pay for the freshmen to come up and take a summer school class to live there. We can't do anything as coaches by NCAA rules, but they train with our fitness staff and play pickup for those last four or five weeks. Um, You know, obviously the science and the resources that we have at Michigan State, we know what their training loads are and they're – the coaches don't, but the strength and conditioning staff does, and, and we work towards that. So we know what our training load is going to look like in the first week of preseason. So we, we work back from that, and our strength and conditioning staff, we do a great job. They're, they're, they're building those guys up. So I think that's the one thing. Um, we let them play in May and June you know, with their summer teams and kind of if, if guys need games, go get your games and do that. Take a little break, and then come July 10th, let's start to slowly build towards – Towards oh, wow. a season that comes fast, fast and furious. So, um, sports science has came a long way, man. I'll tell you what, when we were doing this and, and playing ball, I mean, we were playing every day. And, it, and it's a little bit different now with managing time and managing bodies. And um, that's an interesting part of our game. You talk about culture a little bit here um, at Michigan State. And, and I've not been there yet, but I know many people that have. Um, the facilities. Um, your facility is one of the gems and a special one in the Midwest. And you guys have that, um, when we talk about culture, you guys are one of the few colleges that have an actual supporters group. Uh, I think they're called the Red Cedar Rowdies. Yep, Red Cedar Rowdies. And, and that's in reference maybe to the, the river that runs close by. And can, can you talk about like what a recruiting tool that is or, or what they bring in, into the game day environment? And are they just flat out helping you guys at times? No, no doubt. I mean, you can go on our website. We, we, we beat Michigan, which is a huge rival. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 3,500 fans. Who, they had green who's and white. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, the Rowdies are, are awesome. And yeah, the, the school's on the banks of the Red Cedar. That's kind of interesting of the uh, opening of the fight song. Yeah. Um, and so they are they are awesome uh they kind of founded i think around 2011 um but they bring chants smoke bombs flags cowbells and you know i think we averaged we were top five in the country in average attendance are you seeing that anywhere else in the college landscape there's some yeah maryland you know the crew at maryland does a really good job indiana has has one that's that's solid and so there's niche i think our guys have been really kind of consistent over the last 12 years, and I think part of it is the, the setting. So DeMartin Stadium is in a historical Michigan area. Baseball was played there 125 years ago. Wow. And you got this cool setup where you got baseball, softball, men's, women's, soccer. But there's no track around it. It's 2,500 right on the field. There's a fence. People are standing around. So it already brings that, like, electric, in-your-face kind of atmosphere. And uh, it's a perfect grass facility. You know, shout-out to our Michigan State's the number one turf grass Major, in the, they did the Silver yeah. Dome for the World Cup. They're doing yeah. the 2026 World Cup, so it's really a fun setting. 
and uh, we got guys people tailgating before, and what it's a just, tool you have there. Yeah, yeah. it's great when recruits come and see. So, that. so cool. do do you think like you you telling it because I didn't know there was a supporters uh, uh, crew club at at the university. I just you know I just assume students are either fans or they're not. Uh, but when you said it and you gave the time frame, I immediately thought of where we're at here. Uh, you know, because Amsterdam opened in 06, and then over the next four or five years, you know, suffice to say, I was here often enough to see the growth of the popularity. Did you, as a soccer, you know, ex-player, current coach, lover of the game, uh, did you see that the correlation was kind of the expansion of EPL on TV and MLS starts to get more popular? You know, was that a, did that help propel the support? that you guys are now benefiting from, or was it truly organic? I think it's a combination of both, for sure. There's there's no doubt. Um, and I think it was 2011, the student, we were thinking, hey, we gotta have a student section. We gotta, we gotta en- enhance our environment. And then the student, Luke Ferris um, and Regan Bartha, but Luke Ferris came from Seattle and was a big Sounders. And you know how that uh, environment yeah, was so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he was, you know, and so those guys kind of started it and through that, so that MLS, you know, kind of history, I think, talking about you about with Amsterdam and, and people really getting into EPL and seeing those environments are saying, hey, why not Why not do this at Michigan State? Can we do this? And then, you know, you look over at our basketball program and wow. Tom Izzo's got the Izzone and they, those students say, hey, wouldn't this be cool if we could kind of do our soccer version of the Izzone? And it's been awesome. Well, let me, let, I'm glad you mentioned Tom Izzo because I wanted to kind of create a, and ask a question as far as like a compare and contrast you know, because from soccer program standpoint, nationally speaking, tons of legacy programs that have had tremendous success. One program in particular, you know, is near the top of Mount Everest, and that would be Indiana with Yeagley's. You know, and Yeagley Senior kind of growing up in the program with a Bobby Knight at at the school with the basketball program, and kind of he Bobby Knight was clearly the North Star at Indiana for a long, long time. Yeagley and that whole mantra there kind of morphed and fed off of each other. Talk a little bit about what Tom Izzo and his program means to you and your program under that same Spartan umbrella. No, he's, I mean, he kind of is Michigan State University. I mean, we always say that the athletics is the front porch of the university. It's kind of the the greeting thing that everybody sees. And obviously Tom is a, a huge, huge name and he, and, and an awesome person for not just the basketball program, not just the athletic program, but for our, our entire university and state. But, you know, I always think you can glean different things from coaches and other sports. And so here I'm a young assistant for 10 years from, you know, 99 to 2008, and I'm watching this growth of basketball and saying, okay, what, what are the common factors? Are there things that I can take from that? So when they won the national championship, they had four guys from Flint, Michigan, the Flintstones, you know, Mateen Cleaves yeah. and those guys they had, and, and Midwest guys, you know. And so he wanted to go and play, you know, and challenge the big dogs. And, you know, Indiana was a big dog in our conference, so we got to play them. But when I took over our schedule, I wanted to go play, you know, Maryland when they weren't in the Big Ten. I wanted to go play Creighton. We went to go play at the cool environments and say, hey, we're on this stage. Let's We can compete and not only just compete but win. So... He was he was really good in that in that in environment. Real well, maybe not a quick story. Long, what is it? Short story, long or whatever. Oh, you but. got all the time in the world, man. <laughs> you guys, we're not stuff. on the clock, and they have plenty of beer here. That's right. So in 2010, we started off five in the country, um, one at Maryland, one at Notre Dame, 
um, rolling along pretty good. Um, at the end of the season, started to struggle. Well, we lost to uh, Michigan, who ended up going to the Final Four twice. We lost to Michigan twice, and we lost to Akron, who also was in the Final Four. Who's a pseudo Big Ten team because their whole schedule is Big Ten. <laughs> so yeah. they were in the MAC, now they're moving, but right. yeah, go ahead. And, uh, and they ended up winning that year. So we lost three <coughs> close games to two Final Four potential teams, but all of a sudden our season we get eliminated in the conference tournament. I'm busing home from Penn State, and I'm going – you know, we're on a little bit of a slide here. I know we're getting in the NCAA tournament. Our RPI is great. Um, we got good wins. I'm saying, hey, is there anybody that I could talk to that I could kind of like, who kind of <laughs> struggles at the end of the season and kind of writes the ship and uses to makes the run in the NCAA tournament? So, did, did you do one of those tap your left arm, <laughs> like, uh, let's go to the bullpen? Who do we got? Yeah. So, I know Dave Pruder, who's our equipment manager for both programs, I called Dave and he, he's like, yeah, come on in with Tom. I am, you know, so I sat with Tom for. 30 minutes he was just getting started with his with his uh team on a saturday morning and uh you know first he was like well how good are you guys because i can't if you're not any good i can't help you you know like but uh, i said no i think we you know we're somewhere between like a uh, top 10 to we could we could go out in the round of 32 we could we go the you know lead eight kind of thing and yeah. um he just asked questions and he let me bounce ideas and i asked him like what he does during the tournament. And one of the biggest things he does is he has a lot of individual conversations with okay. athletes because as cocky as our college players come off, I think at those big stages, sometimes they're still questioning, like, am I good enough at this high stage? And so we would, so I would really make a point to have a lot of individual conversations. And, and so we, we win our first game. Um, and now we're, we're playing in the round of 32 and we have to go to Butler and, um, they're undefeated. That Matt Hedges, yep, yep. a couple of those guys, fifth in the country, and we won. Wow! We stole the game, and we're on to the Sweet 16 to play at North Carolina. Um, and I'm getting on the bus, and the phone rings, and oh. I say hello. And the basketball team's in Hawaii. They're getting ready for the Maui Classic, and yeah. it's those like, hey, awesome job, man. Way to go. You That's guys awesome. did it. That's I said, phenomenal. I said, <laughs> how, he goes, how, how was it? I said, oh, we just grinded it out. He goes, that's what Spartans do, man. We grind it out. Sparty. So that's you, the type of per that, that's in a synopsis or a nutshell. That's God. that's the type of person that Tom is, is not just a coach, but the person. I, I, you had mentioned the Big Ten um, and some of those teams. Um, can you talk about just the Big Ten soccer conference in general? I mean, you guys don't have a day off. I mean, with those teams and that conference and those coaches and where they've all came from, I mean, that's the who's who, especially in the Midwest here. Um, what does the Big Ten mean to you? What does that soccer conference mean to you? And how hard is it to win in those games? It's, it's an awesome conference. You know, the universities are awesome. The campuses. But the soccer program, I mean, when we went to it in 2018, it was – Indiana, Maryland, Michigan State, and Akron were the four Final Four teams. So you had three Big Ten teams in the Final Four. Yep. Um, and what's really neat, I think about it, is you have a lot of players that played in the Big Ten. Or they were Brian Mazenoff played Indiana. He's the head coach at Ohio State. Yep. I played at Michigan State. Todd Yeagley. Um, you've got Neil Jones, who's who played at Santa Barbara, but coached at Northwestern. Now he's the head coach at Wisconsin. Yep. Um, you know, you had John Trask, who was at Wisconsin. There, so there's a lot of good people. Um, really good coaches, and it pushes you. You can't take a breath. Um, you have to. You can never let your foot off the gas. Recruiting, you can never let it off. Tactics, um, and it keeps everybody sharp. But what I also think is really neat is you're playing some of the highest, in my opinion, the highest level amateur soccer games in this country. So, not only 
not only are those fun games and in, in, in great environments, but when your guys are able to go on and play pro, they're playing against some of the same guys, so they're confident. Right. Like, you know, you're good enough. If you're good, if you're excelling, you're one of the best players. When Dewan Jones is one of the best players against Indiana, or you know, Jay Chapman or Fatai Alache, like. They know, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going to be able to do this at the next level, and so yeah. they can go on and do that too. So you the Big can, Ten really prepares you. And then the other cool thing is the Big Ten network. Yeah, yeah, you, that's you know, that you helpful. can be seen world, you know. And I think lastly, we're this is a whole another hour of conversation, but we're adding UCLA to the Big Ten in 2024. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. So <laughs> if you think about the history, I mean, Michigan State has two national titles. Wisconsin has a national title. Penn State. Maryland, Indiana, UCLA. I mean, we might have that's 25 or 30 percent of the national titles. You know, that's that in college soccer. So, well, it's interesting. I think that that in college soccer and college football and college basketball, the conferences are no longer really regional. They're more about, I, I'm assuming, fit and dollars revenue. And so, <laughs> yeah, let's call it. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I got there. So. You know, it's, it's that eugenics <laughs> delay. Yeah, it's my low T. So eugenics, yeah, eugenics. Yeah, yeah, definitely not eugenics. That's a whole other conversation. So I, I don't know if I really have a question. It's just I think that's so interesting how the the college landscape is is drastically changing for a variety of reasons. And we've talked about a couple of these with some other coaches around the transfer portal and NIL and now just the constant morphing of conferences and trying to fit in where you think you're going to be successful in, in kind of advocating for your team to be part of a specific conference because and I think most people know this, but some don't that just because the football team is in the big 10 doesn't mean the soccer team is in the big oh, 10 or basketball. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting point of conversation that we've really haven't really broached. And I don't know if, if, if Damon, you can really kind of talk to that, but I've been asking some very tactical questions of you today, but it's because it's it's something that I'm interested in. And I think there are other people who listen to the show who really don't know. They didn't play college soccer at a high level, but they're interested in it. And so, I mean, just kind of walk us through that landscape a little bit about the conferences or whatever topic you want to cover on that no, ramble. It's, that I just it's definitely, no, it's definitely changing and it's going to continue to change. Men's soccer, I don't, NIL hasn't really hit maybe the way you see it in other sports. And I, I would always, it's definitely a huge thing that's coming, and I'm sure we're going to have to deal with it. I think the transfer portal is a little bit different based on your philosophies. When you try to recruit Midwest kids and ba- base it on culture, it's harder these days because kid's not playing. He might, after one year, does he stick it out and tr- really try to develop, or is he like, hey, I'm on to the next the next thing? So maintaining those cultures in, in college athletics, I, I do think it's coming becoming a little bit transactional, but more transactional, but I, I still believe, like I said, with soccer being a team sport, that you, you you need to have a good culture and recruit the guys that can do it. Well, let, let's let's peel that onion back a little bit because we do have a growing number of listeners that have <clears throat> children that are in 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 or on that radar or wish to be on that path. Talk a little bit about what you personally, you at Michigan State. What are you looking for in the recruiting process? When you start to, kids start to show up on your personal radar, what are some of the characteristics that must be there? What are some that are like, not a super priority, but I'm, but I'd love to see something unique. And, you know, how does that all work out to where you're ready to pick up the phone and be like, hey, let's chat, kid. 
Yeah, so a couple things. Um, speaking of the radar, like we just start, especially with boys soccer, and it's boys because they're not men, but we start in their sophomore year. We start to evaluate them. We don't have conversations really to the end of their sophomore year. So I get these questions like I did a recruiting talk the other day and I said, hey, my son's going to be U15. Like, you know, what should he be doing? And I was like, just trying to be the best soccer player that he can be. I said, right now, to me, at the U15 age group, everybody's good enough and none of them are good enough. You know, right. because you don't know where they're going to end up. Like, you know, take the 15th kid on that U15 team and in three years he might be the best and the best might be the worst. I mean, there's some things you, you, you look for, but so we start, that's when we kind of start. I think that's in general uh, the, the top level. We'll start to keep an eye on the, the sophomores because they're starting to mature a little bit more yeah. physically and mentally and you can start to see some more consistent play, but um, you need to break it down into the four the four categories, you know, um, you know, physical, the technical, the tactical, and the psychological, and um, you know, Division One, Big Ten college soccer, there is a physical element, you know, um, but I think Basically, in those categories, you need guys that can excel in more than just one. So if you're just an athlete, you're going to have a hard time. You know, if you're really technical, but you're not a great teammate, or, you know, you don't, you can do all these juggles and moves, but you can't know when to make the right pass, or you can't track somebody down, that's going to be a problem. So we really start to say, who can check these boxes? And the hardest thing when we talk to parents and, and people listening, like, it, it's so subjective. Sometimes I wish yeah. I, I wish I was a golf coach. I could just say, you know, your son shot a sixty nine, you, your yeah. son shot a seventy three. I don't know what to tell you, but we're going with the the lower score. Um, so that's where it's a little bit. I do think like, um, you know, how much are they watching soccer? When we have conversations with the kids now too, like, you know, how much are, we don't want the parents involved as much. Um, they kind of they can guide it. You know, obviously they're the financial piece, but. You know, we want to take calls from the players, the students, the recruits. We want to talk yeah. to them. And so that was going to be my part B follow-up to that is, like, if you had some advice to parents, you know, let's say their their child is – if they're being honest with themselves and the child is honest with themselves and wants to play at a higher level, if they're a prospect, what would you say to them as far as, like, how to communicate? How should one reach out? Should they reach out? Should it be through their club, through their school, through whatever, or go direct? What What do you like to see from just a communication? Email, handwritten yeah. notes, stuff you know, like that. Self-advocating or not. Yeah, I think I always say the parents can guide it, but the, the student has to drive it. So they should be doing the research, you know, and, and that takes coordination and communication with the parents and the kid. And look, I've got a 15-year-old son like you guys, like communication, like Jerry, you said that usually it's three words, like how was practice? Hey, do you want to play college? Do you want to play college soccer? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yes. Yes. Get, I get emojis. <laughs> <laughs> right? Thumb up or thumb down. <laughs> it's a separate language. Um, so I, I actually have a part C of this question too. And that is at what point um, sh should they start to look at a little bit more depth into where they want to go because you know you, you know Jared Inbeck right uh, and I sat in on one of his speeches just the other day and he was talking to p families about another thing you should be looking at is what style do they play you know is it even is it a good fit for you do you know what style you're good at does where does that come into play for you just from a player 
or a, a, a team that that player is on and the style that they play and where they thrive or they don't, do you look at that and how important is that in evaluating a player? I think that stuff's very important, the style of play, and it's, hey, will it translate to Michigan State? And maybe what translates to Michigan State might not translate to Akron, who are two good programs but different. So that's where it gets tricky for the parents too, you know, um, with that situation. But I don't know, I just lost my fucking train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) I have have a follow-up to get you maybe back on track, which is, you know, both of us just went to two college ID camps with our, our sons. And How'd you play? I, I, I fucking crush it. I <laughs> um, For a Washmo kid, he didn't. I, I got a well. scholarship offer uh, for next fall. Anyway. <laughs> Bobby Boucher. <laughs> yeah. So my question is, from an expectation perspective, you talk about the, the level of, you know, under 15, we're probably not going to even really do anything. At that U16 level, though, you're starting to put them on your radar. And then June 15th, after their sophomore year, is when you can actually officially communicate. From an expectation perspective for parents, that's who usually listens to the show, not so many kids other than maybe Jared's and, and JB's, uh, Max. what expectation can you give? Because I think what parents are expecting is if I send my kid to an ID camp, I'm going to get a report about why my kid was great at the four pillars. You know, here's where they rank on those four pillars. So realistically, maybe legally, NCAA regulations, what are you able to communicate back to a kid that you're either A, interested, or B, not interested, or C, mm, we'll see? Yeah, so the June 15th is a big a big date. I, I did a little, we did a little research on it. I think 25% of my roster is kids that we actually called on June 15th. Wow. So to the parents listening, don't pan- like, that's a good number. Like, yeah. there are kids that we've identified early and we like, and they like us, and it works out, and they come to Michigan State. But, again, this is not an exact science, this process. Yeah. You know, we've, we've had two center backs that could potentially start for our program that came from the same club. One committed very early in his junior year. One committed in March of his senior year. So, you know, I think what it is is you just got to kind of trust the process. Sure. Don't let other people's decisions change your, you know, affect mm-hmm. how you're mm-hmm. making decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Rely on the people that you can trust, whether it's the club coaches, you know, people that are around the family that understand soccer, um, those types of things. So I think that is hugely, hugely important. When you talked, I, I did just remember what I, what I, what I forgot. <laughs> I, told you. I was wondering. I think the what, style. Of play, where do we throw them off? <laughs> I do. You know, one of the things I do tell a lot of players when you're in this recruiting process is. Do the research not just on the program. Obviously, soccer is a big piece. These guys want to go and the soccer. You yeah. Recruit the style. Um, you know, go to a game. I tell everybody to watch college soccer. I mean, watch yeah. Barcelona and Bayern Munich, but you got to watch college soccer and see if this is what you yeah. really want to get into <laughs> and and what you want to do about it and and do that soccer piece. And that's probably the easiest and the fun piece. But also, you know, at some point in your career, soccer is going to suck. You're going to be injured. You're not going to get along with a teammate. You're not going to be playing. Whatever. There's your, coach, your coach could be clueless. Coach. If you're playing in the Big Ten, there's often times where it's not going to be cupcakes and rainbows because, I mean, it's oh, it's man. hard. So if you do your research on the other piece, if you're like, hey, I want to go to a big school far yeah. from home that has business. So when soccer sucks <laughs> and you're like, hey, on. you know what? Things aren't going great in soccer right now, but I'm in a top 25 business school. 
I'm far away from home because I hate my parents, you know, or I'm close <laughs> to home because I love my parents. You know, I'm in a big school, so I'm meeting new people. I can branch out or whatever those terms are. If you look at that, it'll get you through. And the majority of the times that you you play college soccer, it is an awesome experience, whether it's Division One, Two, II, or Three, too. Yeah, don't, absolutely. Don't kid yourself. I mean, hey, I, my brother coached in Division Three. Those losses hurt just as much as Division One losses, and those wins feel just as awesome. Yep. So, yeah. And the friends you make through, as you guys know, are lifelong friends. And, and so I still talk on a daily basis or weekly basis with Brad Snyder, who's a Vianney. Um, oh, yeah. Product and we we took a recruiting visit to Michigan State, which I can't talk about on on the air here. But we, <laughs> in the first half, the second half for, is second half's coming. <laughs> we lived for four years together, so yeah. So that's I, uh, my college spiel on the recruiting process. I listen to the ID camp stuff that you guys are talking about, and um, I run an ID camp out in Wentzville. That's what I put Drew in. Okay, you guys are more than welcome right, to come, and I will be honest. For, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, Time hold on. Break. Yeah, it's where's weird. that? Where's that mute button? <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We're down here at Amsterdam Tavern. We're going to refill our pints. And uh, we'll be back, second half, some more uh, coach rinsing. We're going to talk a little bit of St. Louis stuff next. Probably, a little, little, probably some other things, too. High school. You want to talk about high school? I want to talk about high school. Of course. I mean, that's the soup du jour permanently. What parish are you from? Is that what you have to talk about at St. Louis? <laughs> yeah, well, parish, yeah. What side of the river? Which yeah. river? Which river, That's right, That's a Jared? good point. <laughs> the Red Cedar River. <laughs> there we go. Alright, we're going to roll out. We'll be right back. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. Check one, check one. Gee, Chris. Gee, Minnie. All right, we're back. We got some refills. Let's, uh... Let's do a quick drink check here. Bitburger. Oh, you're right out of the gate. You knew what I was talking about. What you got there? Bitburger. Bitburger? I d- didn't guess that because you had to pour it in a pint, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Nice. I don't like... I don't. If I can drink out of a glass, I'm going to do that. No, I agree. I'm with you. Yeah. Jared? Uh, Milwaukee's finest? Yes. I'm doing uh, light. But, uh, L-I-T-E. <laughs> Mila. <laughs> I was going to go with the Bells uh, yeah. for Michigan, but all they have is Oberon, and I'm not a big Oberon's maybe their worst beer. beer, and I can't believe that's the one they distributed. Yeah, it's a summer wheat beer. What's thing. that one that the uh, the No Yeah Pills? No Yeah Pills was is delicious. That is a delicious Pilsner. Why don't you tilt that mic up so you don't <laughs> feel like you're? What do you mean? So you feel like you're a, a turtle, man. What do you mean? I'm, uh, I'm the hunchback of uh, Notre Dame. Yes, you are. 
<laughs> Hop Slam is a good one as well. Damon, what'd you run with? What'd you, what'd you get a refill? I got a draft of Carlsberg. I like to have a yeah. draft. Nice. Draft. I mean, that's a, it's an Amsterdam staple. JD? Actually, um, what am I going with? I'm yeah. going with a Urban Chestnut Wally's Light Lager. I love it. 12 yeah, ounces. We're all over the place today. I know Wally's going to push it pretty good, but, I mean, I think a Soccer Dad Pod logo on that can would look much better. It would look way cooler. <laughs> yeah. Do you know anybody over there, JP, that you can At Wally's? To? No, no, no. At Urban? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they don't answer my phone calls It makes sense. <laughs> we just go take, we go squat. We do shows over there every now and then, and they walk in like, we told you no. <laughs> Get out of our tasting room. Damn, people. Well, we are back. We are back with uh, Coach Rensing from Michigan State. Also, a Junior Bill alum. Um, you know, at the beginning of the show, we started at the finish line. So, it totally makes sense that at halftime, we're going to go back to the beginning. Pedigree. This Pedigree. family. This last name. There's a lot of people that spent a lot of time in this family. And there's multi-generations generations of people that have played with or for a rensing in this town so let's start there uh we'll rapid fire a few questions here uh north side or south side my dad's north side but we grew up in the south side your dad played uh where did he play uh, st louis u st louis u and then he went on to they went and played for the St. Louis Stars for seven or eight years, and then when they moved to California, he went and played with the Chicago Sting for a few years, and then was also capped with the U.S. national team. So wow. he's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Pretty good. <laughs> you know Mr. Champagne always wears that dirty-ass Chicago Sting shirt. I know. Uh, I, I mean, look, can you believe it? I, Does he change his oil in that shirt? I, it, it appears that way. <laughs> the Sting is a great logo, though. We got, you got to admit. I, I, I wore the shirt there's last a, there's night. A, there's a banner here somewhere. Yeah. yeah, they've got all the old MISL banners uh, framed up here. I think it's in the shitter. So <laughs> that's the no. They have Pittsburgh and uh, L.A. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. In this first bathroom, or second one. No, no, no. So, so you you grew up in a house with a father that was uh, he was pretty good at the game. Um, when you started playing, I mean, your early days. Which club were, were you with out of the gates um, uh, at a young age? Where'd you play club ball? So. I don't know. It changed like six different times, you know. We, we <laughs> but my dad and Tony Cooster were the coaches, so we were like uh, Johnny Max, and then we were Mastercraft, and then Grossman Iron and Steel with Skip Grossman, um, and that through through high school we were Grossman Iron and Steel, and then back in the day, um, you know, it was the year you were born. So I was a young, I was a November '74 okay. birthday. Oh, so November I was yeah. I was like your son. I was an eighth grader. When the kids went to high school, so um, I played. Obviously, I played great. Got to play for Saint Dominic Savio in the eighth grade city championship because nice. couldn't play club soccer, and then played high school. But then when those guys went to college, my senior in high school, I got to play for Carl Rose with Bush for wow. for a year. So I because they they switched it at, right at that time, and I dropped down at Ronnie Oster and Tim Leonard and yeah. Carl Rose was my coach then. So, but the the coaches I had from basically U eight to to high school until Carl Rose to, to my senior high school was Tony Cooster was the main the main coach and, and his Rose boy was pretty good too. Yeah, Tony and I were teammates, yeah. and then he had a he had he had a few kids. So, yeah. um, but Eric and Hamble were, were really good players. But yeah. I, I think Tony's one of the most 
underrated club coaches in this in this area, quite honestly. I, I, I think the world of them, I thought he did a great job. And back then, as you guys all know, those guys did it for yeah. a case of beer at Christmas and maybe a little gift card. Like they, He was there all the time, really understood the game, really passionate about it, taught it the right way. And, um, you know, I had uh, one of my teammates, Mike Slavinsky, you know, played who was uh you know played on the u17 national team so it was, it was a really did he go to virginia he went to virginia yep. and then played a little bit with dc united mm-hmm. but just i'm just so grateful that i got to grow up in a my house with my with the with my family with my my father who had a great soccer background and then my two brothers derek played at forest park and they went and played at unlv and then Devin played at forest park and went to eastern illinois and he's still coaching and doing a great job in in the USL with Charleston Battery. Like what birth about. what birth year is Devin? I, I feel like he was. He's around. a seventy eight. He's a seventy eight. Okay, that's the cool year. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. November so. seventy eight in particular. Oh, uh, I see. Play, I see what did you did there. With I Buzz see what you did there. And, and on that Bush team was that was that. Did, it was Devin on that team? They kind of similar. You know, what I somehow. thought was cool about St. Louis was it was it was very more local. Like, yeah, growing up, obviously the landscapes completely changed, but um, you know it was more local. So again, my dad coached him with um, with a couple other guys, and they played on different clubs. The, you know, the, the sponsorship name, but the teams kind of stayed the same, but the sponsorships yeah. kind of switched from year to year. Yeah, yeah. you we know, went but, from soda to beer. Well, that, <laughs> uh, well, we went the other way. We were Miller Lite, then we were Elks. You know, it's one of those things, like in all of it, to your point, there was more of a community backbone to most of the club teams. And it really, it really was, realistically, a couple of years after we had exited the high school club years into college and beyond. Then then the clubs really started morphing into in, in no real boundaries, so to speak. And there wasn't really boundaries prior, but for the most part... Families are traveling a lot further to the club days uh, or to club practices after that. My question to you is, you know, kind of tying the two time frames, you know, the first part of the show, we talked a lot about your your role and everything that you're doing in Michigan State and how you view your your team in the Big Ten and, and recruiting and all of those things. And now we're talking a little bit about, you know, the foundation, you know, knowing that you grew up in a house that is, you know, uh, has tremendous pedigree with the game uh, and the clubs. And then, you you know, you played on some very competitive slew high teams with all Americans, you know, that went on to, you know, D1 and beyond. Um, what how do those two time frames or your experience as a young kid playing here in St. Louis with those teams with those players where do, where do those two overlap what's the common denominator that maybe you're taking into your current coaching philosophy or what you look for in players where's that overlap yeah definitely two things i mean one is I just always really appreciate the way the style and the technical ability, the way the St. Louis uh, plays, you know, and um, and when I first got into Michigan, which was a little, maybe a little younger state as far as getting into the game of soccer and has really came on, I thought they were very athletic, you know, but maybe lacked some soccer sophistication at Did times. They have to do in general, a lot with weather, like until I think so. I think until yeah, we really I mean, got because I no think indoor. there's a lot of indoor facilities up there now. Hundred percent. That's helping the game up in the youth game in and, Michigan, correct? Where we yeah, play you had the hockey and football were obviously huge up there, you know. So for a long time, it just didn't catch on. But now that it's catched on, and I've always thought, man, if you could combine some of the things at Michigan, but but St. Louis has such a good 
technical background and um, the understanding the game and you know just the possession oriented. We, we we try to definitely keep the ball and, and build and develop players. I think secondly, what I got took from St. Louis was the culture. The one thing that the St. Louis community soccer community learned because you had the St. Louis Stars and you had those really old guys that played on the 60s, you know, from the hill, the culture of what it is to be a soccer player and how you should act and how you should carry yourself and any chance you should get to watch it, you should watch it. Like, I think that was instilled in me from my dad, who's, you know, the biggest soccer influence, but Tony Cooster, and they brought that to practice. Oh, here's what we did at the Stars, who had, you know, these St. Louis guys, but Peter Benetti, who played, who's the goalie who played in England, like, Al Tros, like these guys had other experiences outside of United States soccer and they brought it to St. Louis and that culture of how important it is that you it's that's fascinating. You, you've gotta you've gotta not just like it or love it, you gotta live it. And I think you gotta live the game of soccer if you really want and, and they taught that to us too. So how did you take that to East Lansing? How, how talk about that story, how you got to Michigan State because I know there are connective tissues, you know, from coaching and history and things like that. We've had other folks and we've talked to other folks, but I want to hear your story about how you got to Michigan State because I think that's kind of fascinating as well. Yeah, and actually, to piggyback off of our previous segment, you know, for these parents watching or listening, they're probably not watching because there's <laughs> only about three people in this place. But, um, but anyway, um, you know, I was pretty set to go to St. Louis U. Uh, my dad played there. Um, he was teammates with the coach, Joe Clark. You know, as we talked about back in the day, there wasn't a lot of tournaments where you could go get scouted. There wasn't video. Right. You know, um, I thought the Collinsville tournament was like the coolest thing. We get to go stay in a hotel in Collinsville. Yep. No, I kind of think. But as I got older, that last year, the Tampa Bay Sun Bowl was like a huge. That was huge for my age. Huge too. deal. Um, I broke my leg my senior year against Oakville. And so. Fucking Hoosiers um, from South City. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Um, they're they're gentler than the Hoosiers from the East Side. By the way, we are the only town that uses the word Hoosier, right? Like nobody else. <laughs> yeah. I know Indiana. That's like the Bloomington. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but um, so I actually went down to the Tampa Sun Bowl and did not play well, and was kind of like, oh, and so SLU kind of backed off. And back then, to be fair to Joe Clark, like didn't have a ton of time to see people and, and the different things. So only had a part-time assistant coach, you know, all those kind of things in play. But Joe Baum, who was, who was a high school uh, teammate of my dad's at Aquinas Mercy, um, was at Michigan State, and he stuck with me and recruited me. And so um, once I went up and visited Michigan State, fell in love with the campus. So that's how it kind of it kind of transpired. Um, so, yeah. I, I, you went at the same time as Magic, right? I'm not that old. <laughs> That's 79. I was five years old when Magic won the national title. I'm so. just messing with you. I knew the answer to that. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, so, so yeah, so for those parents, it's like, you never know what's going to happen. And you just make, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to Michigan State and didn't know much about the place, but awesome campus. And that's, so that's how I ended up there. And you're, you're, well, you've been there for a a little bit, a little bit. Twenty-five so, years. You know, you you you've created roots there, and your son grew up there and and played club ball there, and now, congrats on on Drew's success now at City. 
big kudos to Drew, my, my son, uh, talked yeah, very highly about him this, this afternoon after, after a, a good beatdown and training session. So <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, this kind of opens the door to the, the, the current hot topic of the day. And we've mm-hmm. talked about it off mic. Um, <clears throat> and, that, and that applies to kind of the role of clubs, the role of high school, the role of, um, uh, you know, I should say, the path to college. You know, and and then kind of over here in the fringe is really the path to pro. You know what those words even really mean anymore. You know because it's it's so different uh, compared to the the generation that we grew up in. You know, you, you, in spite of the fact that the club teams were so good and the high schools were so powerful, and you know, and everything was very linear. You know, to a degree when when we were playing. Um, and there are significantly fewer options beyond your senior year of high school. You know, there was there was college, uh, but there wasn't like an, there wasn't like icing on top of that that people were chasing towards because it was so thin. Um, so I just want to get your take, generic take out of the gate today, because the standing debate is this whole high school versus academy just from let's let's keep it compartmentalized an experience standpoint let's start there you know in today's world with the way kids are what their interests are etc and kids that are interested and love the game where do you see high school versus the the club life the academy life in particular where's the compare and contrast in your opinion you know sitting in the front lines not only as a collegiate division one high level coach but having a son that's going through the process now and then you personally you lived it in a different generation what's what's your two cents out of the gate so i think there's a there's still a path to get to college and pro from any of those any of those routes but me as a college recruiter i want to go see the kids in the most competitive environments because that's how i can evaluate who's the best Right? I need to see the best players playing against the best players. Um, and right now, that MLS Next is the easiest venue and the most exposure that I can go and see, okay, here are the top kids playing in this, in this game, and, oh, this kid's the best midfielder. Now I've watched 10 of these games between you know, 20 different teams, and this kid's the best center mid. So why would I not want that kid? Um, so it, you're, it's, it's almost just kind of playing the odds. Like, the odds are that that's where this is going to go, and that's where we're going to go to watch those kids. We have a kid who came in as a freshman and played high school. He did play academy for a couple years and played for his dad in high school. He was Mr. Michigan and scored three goals as a freshman, which isn't isn't bad in, in, at Michigan State. So, so But he's, he's, he's the 3% of my roster that, that does that. So I think... You know, and then we also we have uh, a greater percent that do the ECNL, and maybe they do high school in ECNL, and 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 do that, or maybe not the MLS teams, but obviously the Gallagher's we recruit those guys. Wolves, so, wolves, yeah, right. you know, Vardars, Midwest United, Jags. So it's it's it, there, there's still always a path. Just like it used to be, you just go to college to be a pro. You don't right. sign, but that's not the case anymore. So to me. There's still that path. It's just that the easiest way to identify it and develop. And the one thing I say coming from Michigan based of the weather too is you're in 
age 14 to 18 is the most developmental probably years for these young men as soccer players. And in the fall season, that's three of the best months. So to me, if you can play at the highest competitive level that you can possibly play at, and it's hard for me to say that because I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd trade my high school experience. Yeah. <clears throat> and St. Louis, yeah, yeah. St. Louis and New Jersey did it better than anybody, right? Those are, those are the two cities, yeah, right? Yeah, you're right. Club and high school, back in the day, the reason we were so good at SLU or Vianney of those schools um, was we had great club coaches and great high school coaches. Yeah, 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 and it yeah. was a, a condensed competitive environment. That's not the same all around the country. You know? Ask, answer this question uh, if you can, in the best way you can. With this MLS and, and this, this MLS academy system, these professional academies, um, Michigan State, the Big Ten, St. Louis U, the big blue bloods, SMU, all these guys that are around our area that are big time, you know, get the blue chip kids. What does it mean? Because it seems like you guys going to these events in these certain age groups, there's a one to maybe three kids that would be on your doorstep that you would be tickled to have that might be untouchable for you guys now because they're going the homegrown route, which that's kind of a new, um, that's kind of evolved in in the recent history here um, that maybe 15 years, 10 years ago didn't exist. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know like specifically City, and we can only speak for City, they're homegrowns. Well, they would be blue chips at any marquee university like yourself. Well, you know going into it that they're probably untouchable at this point, correct? So how do you – are you going into these environments and seeing that there's one to a handful of kids that are untouchable and then you're going down the road a little bit? Or What does that all mean? I think it's, you know, relationships, working with these pro teams and, and having communication with them and, and understanding, look – and, and this has even changed, you know, in 10 years. Like, you know, if, if a kid 10 years ago said, hey, I can go sign a pro contract, they're going to pay me $25,000. Um, should I go to, should I go sign a pro contract and go to college? Like, you'd say, I'm not sure. Can but, I go to Michigan State and get a $250,000 right. education? So, but I think that is changing a little bit because yeah. the MLS teams are stepping up. There's more money. So we communicate. We know that those top kids, their goal, and, and the top kids recruit, they want to go play pro if they can. And it's not just MLS. You're, there's yeah. players making 125000 a year in, in USL. Yeah, I was so, going to say that. You know, the, the change in the landscape, you know, we're not talking about back in <clears throat> the late – 90s where you had eight MLS teams, you know, and slowly grew to 10 to 12. Now we're up to 29. Plus, you have the majority of them are have two teams that have what would be considered really good pay compared to 10 years ago, 15 years ago, no less. But now you have USL growing, so you have this expansion of options. Has it become harder? For D1 programs, do you, do you find the new landscape more competitive just because kids have an explosion of options even above, quote, above your level? It's definitely more competitive, for sure. And there's there's a lot more opportunities, but there's a lot more competition, too. And even not just United States kids, but now there's kids from Europe that are saying, hey, I'm not – Chelsea's not signing me or – you know, Club Bruges out of Belgium's not signing me, but I can come over here. I can go to college for a year, and then maybe MLS or USL will sign me. So, yeah. you're, these kids aren't. We were talking about. I was talking about this with Nick Bo, Nick Boker and at Max Bar last night in South yeah. St. Louis. Yep. Um, <laughs> but you know, 
real quick math, you got two about two hundred Division One men's programs. Mm-hmm. You got ten scholarships. That's two thousand scholarships. You break it up by class. That's only five hundred scholarships a year. That's available to the entire world, for that matter, but a country. So it is highly competitive. What does help is there are kids that are signing pro, and so we just have to work with those MLS teams, have those communications, ton of more agents involved. I mean, it, there's, it's it's very complicated and gray, but I think you just understand that their goal is to be the, the best that they can be, and if the route is Michigan State, we provide that opportunity. If it's to sign homegrown, sign homegrown. If it's to go to Michigan State for two years and go, go. If it's to, you know, go to college and go be a businessman and make more money than probably 90% of these guys at Sign Pro, go do that. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you to dig a little deeper into that percentages that you just talked about. Because we've, we've had some folks and we've talked to some folks about roster percentages, meaning your incoming class, 28 to 30 kids or whatever that might be, X percent are coming from an MLS Next Academy program. X percent are international, X percent are ECNL high school or other transfer portal. But then you go a layer deeper and you talk about that 9.9 scholarship. When you're looking at those breakdowns, do the scholarship dollars also kind of follow that same trend? Meaning if, and I, you don't have to go into to Michigan State in particular, I don't want to get you in <laughs> any kind of trouble. But if you have, let's say 30 kids, if 60% are coming from MLS Next Academies. The majority of your scholarships going to those kids as well, or does it kind of still trickle down into those ECNL kids as well? It's a good question, and it's it's not a – what I would just say is this, is anytime you're in a business deal, there's <laughs> leverage. Sure. And, and exposure. And so if you're – the more schools that want you, the more leverage you have to sit at the table. Yep. So th- if the MLS teams are getting more, yep. more exposure – then they're probably getting more offers, which means they're probably getting more leverage, which means we have to compete more. But again, there's a ton of different ways. We yeah. have, we've got some kids that were not MLS and they're on good money, you know, and, and on good scholarships because people have known that there is good players in those other markets. You just got to work and grind to find it. And if a couple of us schools get in, see them, and we both really want them, then those ECNL or high school, they have leverage. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, so what I want to, what I want, where I want to take this, just real quickly, and I don't want to beat this into the ground because we've had so many episodes lately on this, and I'm sure our listeners are probably getting burnt out on it a little bit. But specifically, your tenure um, as a head coach, you you started in a pre-academy world, and now you're accelerated to now where. The academies are expanding, except you know, at a rapid pace. How, how much? I don't even know how to word this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fold into this question your own experience because you stated earlier that your own high school experience is one of the greatest of your life, right? Those relationships, that competition, etc. So you have that. You loved it. You know that there was value. You started coaching, recruiting before academy, so. Everybody, for the most part, was high school players as well. And now, it sounds as if the vast majority of players that are coming in are really trending towards not high school players. Does it bother you? That's my basic question. Does it bother you that it's shifting, or are you okay with it because you're seeing, are the players being developed better? 
Or is there some characteristic or advantage to the current situation? Uh, or are you a little bit of a broken heart for the situation and it is what it is? It's tough. It's tough. I mean, we did have, I did have a great experience because we beat CBC in the state championship in 1991 <laughs> yeah. and at the soccer park. But um, sorry, sorry, Terry, Terry. Terry Bigler will be listening to this. Um, no, um, it's, it's, really, it's really difficult um, because, again, back then it was, there was only one way to do things. I think, I think now, um, and then as it started where there was, I would still actually do, the majority of my recruiting when I was an assistant coach was still in the clubs. It's like AAU basketball. I mean, people still play high school basketball, but are they watching, are they watching high school basketball or are they no, watching they AAU? Look, Tom Izzo's not. So, but, well, he does, and here's what I would do it for. I would go to high school games to check that character piece. Because, hey, it, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of different possibilities for high school. You could be a good player on a good team. You could be a good player with a maybe not a great coach who's just a history teacher. You could be a, a good player on a bad team. So I would go and say, okay, we already identified this young man as a club player that we think can play at Michigan State, but... How does he handle that environment? Is he a good leader as those characteristics? So what I would say moving forward when we go to watch these MLS teams, it's a little harder to evaluate those things. It's, it's, it's all in one environment, so you only have one environment. So, hey, there are kids that maybe soccer is subjective, right? So maybe there's a kid that doesn't start for an MLS next team who would have gotten good exposure playing for a high school team and we have caught them, you know, or something like that. But... In general, we just have to do more homework now on the character, Got it. on those yeah. things, I believe. Yeah. That's a good Even answer. though that's the environment, but and that, that's what it is. The one thing I do like about the MLS teams is you go you, you go through some adverse. I mean, I've, I talked to my son. We're dropping him off here at St. Louis. I'm like, hey, this is not going to be easy. You know, you, you're going to have some ups and downs. And so when they come to Michigan State, they've already went through some adversity, right? Because they probably weren't the best player on the team all the time. And if they were... They got bumped up to the next team. If you're the best player in high school, how, what do you do? I mean, yeah. I could, you know, so if you're a junior and you're the best player in high school, how do you get challenged for the next thing? And, and part of it, that's a little bit with college, too. Once you're the best player at college, on the college at Michigan State, what do you do? Get you know, drafted. like you where do you get drafted? Pushed? You get drafted. <laughs> and you yeah. go, and you go push. So those are the things for me with the MLS is a lot of those MLS kids that we get, they've handled some – some pretty tough adversity. Without question. Um, no and so doubt. when I when they don't start as a freshman, it's like, hey, what about me? It's like, you've been here. Go figure it out. Let me, let me ask a closing question on this subject, and then we're going to shift it up a little bit. Um, given given your personal love affair with the, the high school process as it was, knowing what the landscape is now, you are a, uh, a national soccer consultant, theoretically. Yeah. Give today's high school coaches, today's high school programs, give them some suggestions. Give them a little bit of advice. What can they do to catch up? Because my position has been they've been stagnant. They, they were able to do what they were able to do because, for the most part, academies didn't exist. Now they do. What would you like to see them do differently? That's a, a tough question. I do think one of the things, just to go back, that the high school teams is you do, when you play for a high school, you seem to play for something more than just 
you know, the team. It's, it's it, you're playing for something bigger than yourself. And I do think that's a, a um, and, and, and when you get to college, that's part of it too. Like we want players that want to play for the program, not just to be a pro. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the attributes that high school does have. Um, I would just say, look, all these kids that are, that with YouTube, with FIFA, you know, Xbox with, I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. my son knows more players than I do Same. and I follow it and it's because <laughs> of FIFA. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and now, and, and Drew is probably doing this as well. They have their ultimate team, so they're going back. Yeah, Pele, back and back. You can get these. It's going to be all those St. Louis NASL guys. It's crazy. I walked down. He's playing with all these guys that I'm like, how do you know who this is? Well, he's a 95. (laughs) You you just have the high school coaches. Look, you you have to keep. You just have to keep up with the game, and I'm not saying that they don't, but you have to really do that. And it's tough sometimes because maybe they're not getting the pay already for what their hours are, but. Keep up with the game. Keep up with the drills. Go watch college sessions or pro sessions. Yeah. You got St. Louis City right here. Yeah. They're pretty open. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for them. Stay up with that. And also, you can still, you can still really produce some darn good players that might go to college and might even go pro. I mean, our kid Dewan Jones, who just started with the national team, played high school soccer. Yep. You know, so it's not that it can't be done, but just be okay with with what who you is. got and do the best that you have. That's what I, I mean. I agree. I'm going to produce. I want to produce pros at Michigan State, but I also want to produce young men, and I think that's where high school goes. I want to produce young men that are going to go on and and affect society and 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 be positive influences. So, you know, be okay with what your role is, and just do the best darn job that you can at it. And maybe some of those kids, you don't have, you know, ten Division One college players anymore the way it used to be back at SLU or CBC. But hey, if you can get one or two and do that. That's awesome. That's good too. I, and, and in reference to what JB said, um, I'm not going to spoil um, the news because we had a um, on this hot button topic. We we have an episode with, with some marquee co- uh, high school coaches, and it will be released. But they are actually doing something pretty cutting edge, and I won't say what it is because I'll wait till the episode's released. But but I got, think they're doing a good hold job. On, hold on though, because this will be released after, after. that episode, so you're feel not free to anything. talk about it. Yeah, so I guess um, you're right. You know, the, the the chronological order I struggle with. I guess uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> um, it's very hard. But they are doing. Um, some of these guys are doing a what they call a Champions League. And they're going to get, you know, 15, 16, I think the number was 16 high school area teams that have had really good runs. And they're going to put them in some sort of draw the board. Across divisions. Across Across divisions. And and they're going to run that with the, you know, I I think they said there you get 25 games with Misha. And they're going to break that down to where they they can compete in this. In, In the hopes, I think one of their hopes would be to attract some of you guys that are coming to watch kids to that event because it might be advantageous where it falls right after your season if you're not playing in carry on December 15th. You know, so I, th- I mean, that's good, and that's that, that's what JB was talking about. They've bitched about uh, academies, 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 and they're starting to evolve, and that means they're they're punching back, and, and that's a good thing. No, that, and and look, I hate to paint broad brushes because there's guys like Terry Mickler who have kept up with the game and are great coaches, and he could coach at any level, you know, um, and would do a great job. So, you know, and you don't want those guys leaving high school because they are do such a great job, but. Tell, tell those guys, let us know the date. Keep up with that, and we'll send somebody down to Michigan State. Love sure. it. That's awesome. All right. 
We're going to shift to a uh, <clears throat> the the highest level in the three one four right now, and I want to get your opinion, take feelings, emotions, the whole nine one one there on um, what's the four one one four one yeah yep nine one one yeah you I think it's eight one one or is that dig right dig right uh. <laughs> yeah we're not digging anywhere <laughs> you know have, having a dad that when you were young he was playing at the highest level you know possible professionally here in town uh and then you knew a number of individuals family members included that played indoor and then there was a long gap of uh no ceiling here in town i mean yes we've had indoor and i I don't want to diminish that but here we are today in 2023 year one expansion team city sc you living up in uh, the great white north, uh, watching from afar, you know, ha- having soccer in your blood. What did it mean to you when we were granted the team and fast forward to now where at All-Star break, we're sitting at the top of the West in year one. Um, did you did, did you predict it? Did you love it? Are you loving it? Is it just one of those like, Fuck yeah moments, like I told you so. <laughs> Check this out. I mean, at first it was just like, finally, right? We have an MLS. How, how does St. Louis, <laughs> yeah. like we finally, I mean, like everything else in St. Louis, like we actually finally got our heads together and got a team here. And, and after, you know, 20, 30 years of the league or whatever it is. Um, so first it was that. And then it's like, all right, how are they going to do this? You know, like, are they going to do this the right way? Is How is this going to go? And when I brought Drew down, when the training facility to, to train it exceeded every I mean somebody growing up in St. Louis who's always wished St. Louis to be a professional team to have the spotlight on them you know you know you're going to build a good pro stadium right but to have the practice facility right to have the, the the Wash U Medical Center where the locker rooms are out of this world like it exceeded any expectation that I have um, and it's right downtown um, it's just so cool and then you know you got to give Bradley Carnell, you know, um, Hackworth and those guys an unbelievable credit because, and, and Lutz, like to come in, it's a totally different style of play than St. Louis too. So you wonder, Hey, how, how are people like, and they're doing great and they did it right the year before with St. Louis city too. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but for them to be doing where they're doing and just the, the buzz about, that and it's the hardest ticket in town, man. I, I think it's I think it's fucking awesome. Well, so I, I, I kind of <clears throat> follow up because there are no MLS teams in Michigan. No, but there is Detroit City, which is now USL. They were in the NPSL, now USL. Are you pro re- relegation and, and merge with MLS so that <laughs> potentially Detroit could jump in? Because I we're going to be at thirty next next season with San Diego. So I don't know if we're going to go to 32 at some point, but God, Detroit has to have a team in this league at some point. And so, what's your what are your thoughts on on relegation and and merging USL into that that fold? I mean, I'd love to see promotion relegation. That's what yeah. soccer is all about. How fun would that? You be? know, oh I mean, God. Detroit City, those guys. I mean, that's a if you ever do, if anybody just wants to do a little research. I mean, they started insane at ground level. It yeah. is completely community. Those guys are awesome. We play them in the spring every year and just class act awesome environment um the practical side of me just doesn't see mls and these owners (laughs) we talked about that happening but i think i I think you could see it in usl and if that happens maybe that starts to 
force the hand and and and, and see what happens. But yeah. I just think what's awesome is the the, the competition. The opportunity is so awesome yeah. in this country right now, and it is. I mean, the largest market. Detroit's got to get an MLS team. I agree, and and, and you know, Jorge Mas and, and Beckham's team are, are playing tonight against Orlando in the League's Cup, and I just can't imagine their investment in Messi and Busquets and Alba, and then going, oh, sorry, you've been relegated to the We're USL. Last. <laughs> yeah. So I, from the practicality standpoint, you, uh, look, look. yeah. Okay, let's take that a step further. Can you imagine? If, if Messi was tied, like he had to play for a minimum of two years, and if they were to get relegated... Modest Miles. Mo- oh. Exactly. You like that? Yeah. See, here we go. That's Gen Xer. Hammer. 93 Gen Xer gets this shit. But can you imagine Messi going to... No. <laughs> a, a, a lower division, a 6,000-person stadium? That, that There has to How be How much would those tickets be worth? Clause in the MLS contract with Messi that there is no relegation, at least not until he retires. Oh, my God. I, I have to ask a departing question. The pizza um, debate. You uh, live oh, it's in, good. I, I love... Like, I, I, let me ask you this. For me, Detroit pizza is way better than Chicago pizza ever was. And you come from a pizza place that people love, and it's an acquired taste. Where are you at in the pizza game? Well, everybody outside of St. Louis hates St. Louis pizza. You're right. But I do... <laughs> They're all fools, though. I know. I do I do enjoy it. Uh, Jets around town is a great Detroit style, but oh, I like love Jets. me some Jets. But I love Detroit style. Definitely better than Chicago. Yep. Okay. That's my guy. For sure. <laughs> Winner. There we go. Well, hey, Damon, thank you so much, man, for joining us to do this. It's been a lot of fun. We'll, uh, we'll d- uh, clearly, we're going to be seeing each other more often with the kids playing, but uh, we're going to be in touch, you know, checking in on the season, and we'll try and bring you back and an update, you know, maybe ho- hopefully later in a run, yeah, further yeah. down in the tournament route. We'll probably be playing up in Michigan at some point. Labor Day weekend. Like, I go, well, uh, actually, Labor Day weekend? Actually, we're First supposed games. to, you know, yeah, we've got that uh, because uh, buddy of yours, Joey, Joey Ahern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Louis boy, uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring him on, put him on the mic. I see the Jags now. Jags, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another departing kudos to you, um, and you know, kind of this coaching tree. Tom Izzo, you know, has it. A lot of these guys, these successful coaches, you're building quite of the quite the history of guys that coached under you that are now running programs. And, and, and how much fun is that? That's one of the coolest things uh, to see. I got that head coach at Yale. Kale Wasserman at yeah. SIUE, yeah. Uh, the head coach at Niagara, to see Joe Ben Pierman at Charleston. But I'll leave you guys with two things. I've been in Michigan for 30 years, basically. There's two things that I said I swore I'd never go back on, and I've <laughs> held true to it. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Uh. Going to the game tonight, and it's soda. It's not pop. I call it soda. There we go. go. There we go. <laughs> Love uh, it. Yeah. End it. Everything brown is not just soda. Cut. All right, guys. We're out. Uh, Bill Chris, Pinnacle Loan. ThePinnacleLoan.com. Check them out. It's so simple. Jared did it. Get yourself that flipping hammer pull. And whenever you go for a uh, kitchen bath reno, who is it, Jared? Crescent. Um, That's it. Crescent Plumbing Supply. Yeah, That's it. Crescent. I like Get Crescent Rolls, too. Bud- boudoir, right? <laughs> Get your boudoir. Croissant. Croissant. We're out. Thanks for following. Uh, give, thanks for listening. Give us a follow. Give us a share. And we'll... Catch up next time. Peace. Later.